What's up, MLB Morning Coffee listeners? We have our first sponsor. Please welcome to the show, Sit Stay Paul. Is there a better feeling than walking through the door and seeing your dog so excited to see you? There really is nothing better than a happy, healthy dog. Sit Stay Paul, Boston-based dog treat company, focused on all natural, healthy ingredients, is dedicated to helping dogs live happier, healthier lives. At Sit Stay Paw, they treat dogs as part of the family and understand you do too. That's why they use the highest quality all-natural ingredients in each dog treat. Each recipe has been developed along board-certified veterinary nutritionists and is packed with the flavors your dog loves and the nutrition they need. Stocking stuffer ideas? Do your friends have dogs? Sit Stay Paw's Blueberry Pancake Chewies are made with real blueberries full of antioxidants, fiber, and vitamin C and K the perfect stocking stuffer dip for your friendly pooch. Their carob chip chewies are a natural sweet treat your dog will love, full of vitamins A, B, D, calcium, iron, magnesium, everything your dog needs. For the next four weeks, listeners can go to sitstaypaw.com. That's www.sitstaypaw.com. And on Facebook and Instagram, at sitstaypaw. And use code MLBCOFFEE. That's right, MLBCOFFEE. For 10% off your first order. Take a pic, throw it on the gram, get your dog on the Sit Stay Paw Instagram. Sit Stay Paw, go get your dog a treat. Now, on with the show. What is good, everybody? Welcome to MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios. A happy Friday to you and yours. We are brought to you by Sit Stay Paw. Go to sitstaypaw.com, enter promo code MLB Coffee at checkout for 10% off of your first order. Again, that's MLB Coffee at checkout for 10% off of your first order. We're going to be going really all over the place today. We've got some free agent signings to talk about. We'll start off with Liam Hendricks and Pedro Baez. But we also have something that I think is more significant in the grand scheme of our political climate right now. And I know a lot of you don't like it when I get political. But after the Capitol insurrection last week, and after multiple Congress people, Senate and House, revealed themselves to be seditionists, it is worth talking about one Major League Baseball owner's political contributions that dwarf every other pro sports owner. Not just baseball, all of professional sports, and it's not even close. But before we get into that, let us start off with the Daily Grounds and with the signing of Liam Hendricks by the Chicago White Sox. On Tuesday, Liam Hendricks was signed to a three-year, $54 million contract by the Chicago White Sox with a fourth-year option that's a team option for $15 million. He will make $13 million a year each of his first three years, and if the White Sox decline to pick up that team option for a fourth year, he will receive that money in deferred payments over the course of however many years. Those details were not expressed in the news release. Liam Hendricks has been one of the best closers in baseball over the past two years. 2019, he had a 1-8 ERA over 75 appearances in 85 innings. He had 124 strikeouts. 
Last year, he had 37 strikeouts in 25 and a third innings. He had a 1780 RA. Liam Hendricks is somebody that really found himself over the past couple of years. And in 2018, he was really mediocre. Everybody got on him for his poor performance as the opener in the A's wildcard game against the New York Yankees. But after Blake Trinan became ineffective in 2019, Hendricks slid into the closer's role, and really the best of him is what you saw over the course of the last two years. By all stretches of the imagination, Liam Hendricks was the best closer on the market, and $13 million a year is a salary figure that I think is a little bit high for a reliever. I think with relief pitching, it's very much the damned if you do, damned if you don't. You have to pay top dollar to get some of the best relief pitching, but sometimes past performance doesn't always come into your present performance. Every contract that is multiple years and eight figures is paying for past performance. You don't pay a guy for what you think he's going to do because you don't know what he's going to do. You pay a guy because you feel like his past performance is going to be his present performance. And that's what Liam Hendricks is getting in this contract from the White Sox. Now, it is worth noting that the White Sox had a really good closer in Alex Colomay, who this past year had a .81 ERA in 22 and a third innings of work He only had 16 strikeouts in 21 and two-thirds innings. In each of his two years with the White Sox, Alex Colomay had a Ks per nine rating of below nine, which means he's averaging under a strikeout per inning. I don't understand why the White Sox were so quick to move on from somebody that has a career ERA of 2.95. And yes, he's not the strikeout pitcher that he was when he first debuted, but he really isn't that much of a strikeout pitcher to begin with. If you look through Alex Colomay's statistics, only two times in his career did he have more strikeouts than innings pitched. Those years were 2016, his lone all-star appearance with Tampa Bay, and 2018, where he split time between the Rays and the Mariners. So to me, when I look at Alex Colomay, I think of a guy that is getting jettisoned because he doesn't strike out a whole lot of guys. And I don't understand why. Alex Colomay is somebody that has been an effective big league reliever for the length of his time as a major league pitcher. Liam Hendricks has got better stuff, but Alex Colomay got the job done. Alex Colomay, over his sample size in 2020, was one of the best relievers in all of baseball. And he made $10.5 million, which in a reduced salary year was about $5 million. And I think you probably could have had Alex Colomay at $10 million again for this upcoming season. Now, are we going to really be picking nickels and dimes over a $3 million a year difference? Probably not, but I'll be very curious to see what type of contract Alex Colomay does get, because it's for certain he may not get $10 million a year, and he's certainly not getting a contract from the Chicago White Sox. Another relief pitcher that is on the move is former Dodger Pedro Baez. Baez signed a two-year contract with the Houston Astros yesterday that is said to be worth anywhere in the range from 12 to $14 million. Pedro Baez is also somebody that does not have a very high strikeout rate, or at least one that has been steadily declining. 
Baez last season had no record in a 318 ERA in 17 innings. He only struck out 13 guys. The year before in 2019, he struck out 69 guys in 69 and two-thirds innings. Nice. He also had a 7-2 record with a 310 earned run average. Pedro Baez is somebody that pitches very slow and pitches very slow, but he's been mainly effective since he's been in the big leagues with the Dodgers. He has a career 3.03 ERA over 356 innings, spanning seven MLB seasons. The Dodgers are an organization that can afford to move on from Pedro Baez because they are so deep in regards to their pitching. The Dodgers can just call somebody else up, and they'll be just as good, if not better, than Pedro Baez. The great thing about how the Dodgers are constructed is that their farm system is so deep, they don't need to overpay for relief pitching. And you know what? They are better for it. As for the Astros, they are trying to rebuild a bullpen that has been taken down piece by piece over the past couple of years. Roberto Ozuna is still a question mark, and I don't know if you can go into 2021 expecting to compete with Ryan Presley as your closer. So a good signing by Houston, I still don't like giving relief pitchers $7 million a year, but I guess that's the market rate for somebody like a Pedro Baez. He's not worth that much to me. And maybe I am just too wrapped up in how you should most efficiently spend your money. I don't think that a relief pitcher, a middle reliever, should be making over $5 million a year. I don't. I might be totally off base on that. I might be in the minority. But I don't like allocating resources toward a middle reliever that you can use toward a starting outfielder, a starting infielder, or a starting catcher. Or better yet a top-of-the-line starting pitcher. If you've got limited resources, don't spend them on middle relief. Look at the Chicago Cubs. They spent $15 million a year in the middle of a season on Craig Kimbrell because Craig Kimbrell was supposed to save their bullpen because the Cubs did not have a very good bullpen. Look where they're at now. They had to give away their best pitching asset and eat some of his money Because the worst contract that they have, Craig Kimbrell at $15 million a year, nobody is going to touch that money. Nobody. Unless the Cubs give up one of their best prospects in order for that other team to eat that money. But guess what? The Cubs don't have any prospects. So basically, don't overpay for middle relief pitching. Or in the case of the Cubs, don't overpay for over-the-hill closers. Theo Epstein is going to be joining the Major League Baseball Commissioner's Office as a consultant regarding on-field matters. The official press release says Commissioner of Baseball Robert D. Manfred Jr. announced today that longtime executive Theo Epstein will serve Major League Baseball as a consultant regarding on-field matters. Under the supervision of the commissioner and the owner's competition committee, Epstein will work with baseball analytics experts from the commissioner's office and the clubs to determine the likely effects of various contemplated rule changes. Commissioner Manfred said, Theo is one of the most accomplished and thoughtful people in our sport. I am grateful that he has accepted our invitation to compliment our ongoing efforts and provide his insights on making the best game in the world even better for the next generation of fans. 
Epstein said, It is an honor to assist the efforts by Major League Baseball and the competition committee to improve the on-field product. And I appreciate Commissioner Manfred asking me to be a part of these important conversations. As the game evolves, we have an interest in ensuring the changes we see on the field make the game as entertaining and action-packed as possible for the fans while preserving all that makes baseball so special. I look forward to working with interested parties throughout the industry to help us collectively navigate toward the very best version of our game. Theo Epstein, we all knew, was going to make a big move once he decided to leave the Chicago Cubs. It wasn't to go run another organization. He already brought the Red Sox back from the abyss. He brought the Cubs back from the abyss. And so now he is looking to bring baseball back from the abyss. I truly believe that Theo Epstein is going to one day be the commissioner of Major League Baseball. I think it just makes way too much sense. He's one of the smartest people in the room. He's one of the most collaborative people in the room. And he'll find a way to make Major League Baseball a better product for all to consume it. I think that when you look at somebody like a Theo Epstein and you see this designation as a consultant, it's pretty clear that he is on the path toward being a high-level MLB office executive. And I like that. I think the more that Theo Epstein is involved in Major League Baseball, the better. To me, it's a really important designation of what his role is so that we know exactly what he is doing. But also keep in mind that there are other possibilities for where Major League Baseball could take the role of Theo Epstein. It's very much a wait-and-see process to see what he actually does, but I am confident that Major League Baseball is putting Theo Epstein on the path to being its next commissioner. Early this morning, per Jeff Passan, the Yankees announced a six-year, $90 million deal with DJ LeMahieu to stay in New York. The batting champion, who finished third in AL MVP voting this past year, was almost a certainty to return to the Yankees. But it also now brings into question, with LeMahieu back on a six-year deal, what becomes of Glaber Torres? Torres has a great bat, but are the Yankees going to trust him defensively to be their franchise shortstop, or will they consider moving him? DJ LeMayhew is a guy that you can plug in at second base, you can plug in at first base. LeMayhew can play a lot of different positions. Glaber Torres is somebody that's mainly a middle infielder. I personally only bring this up because Jeff Passan mentioned it in his tweet that announced the signing, but... I don't really see it as that big of a deal. I think Glaber Torres is your franchise shortstop no matter what. But bringing LeMahieu back for a six-year, $90 million deal, at age 32, it seems like a lot of money. But this is a guy that has hit over 300 in each of his two years with the Yankees. He hit 364 last year. He's hit over 300 in five of his last six years total in the big leagues. DJ LeMahieu is a guy that is going to get on base and get on base some more. And if he is able to be the guy in 2019 that hit 327 with 26 homers and 102 RBI, then that's a guy even at age 32 that is 100% worth the contract you gave him. Finally, Alex Wood has signed a one-year $3 million contract with the San Francisco Giants that brings him up from the Giants' arch rival, the L.A. Dodgers. Wood last year only pitched in nine games, and he pitched 12 and two-thirds innings, but he has been a very effective swingman over the course of his career. He's somebody that can start and pitch out of the bullpen. Wood debuted in 2013 with the Atlanta Braves. 
He spent the 2015, 16, 17, and 18 seasons with the L.A. Dodgers. His best season came in 2017, his only All-Star appearance, where he was 16-3 with a 2.72 ERA. Alex Wood has struggled mightily the last two years. He made just seven starts with Cincinnati in 2019 and returned to L.A. as a bullpen guy in 2020. This is a very low-risk, high-reward signing. Giants are hopeful that Wood can be either A, a fifth starter, or B, somebody that can eat innings out of the bullpen and be that swing man that can start in case of emergency. To me, a very low-risk signing, $3 million for him, really not that much. I'd rather give $3 million to Alex Wood than give $7 million to Pedro Baez. That's just me. You can disagree with it, but that's how I feel. And thus ends the Daily Grounds. So the main topic of today's conversation is political donations. And yes, I know you guys hate it when I get political on here. But I think that after the Capitol insurrection, it is very important that we talk about one owner in particular. And now, per Yahoo Sports, that has expanded to two owners. That would be Giants principal owner Charles Johnson and Diamondbacks principal owner Ken Kendrick. So 538, which is the Nate Silver website, put together a list of every pro sports owner and the amount of money that they contributed to various political campaigns in the last election cycle. There's a limit on how much money you can give to a certain candidate, but Charles Johnson gave more money to candidates than any other pro sports owner. Dan DeVos, who's the owner of the NBA's Orlando Magic, was the second highest in terms of total contributions at $2.6 million to certain Republican candidates. By the way, Dan DeVos is related somehow to outgoing Secretary of Education Betsy DeVos. So Dan DeVos's total contributions ranged at around $2.6 million. That was the second highest amount of any owner. The highest was Charles Johnson, who gave $10.5 million to various Republican candidates. Think about that. The second highest owner gave $8 million less than the highest. Charles Johnson got in a lot of hot water a few years ago when it was revealed that he gave money to Republican Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi, who said that she would be happy to attend a lynching. It got a lot of pub in San Francisco, and thus Johnson asked for his money back. And by the way, it is worth noting that Cindy Hyde-Smith was one of the six Republican senators that objected to the Electoral College count, and she also, by the way, was reelected this past election cycle, so... So much for booting a racist out of office. Way to go, Mississippi. But Charles Johnson and Ken Kendrick are coming under fire because it was revealed that they donated money to pro-QAnon representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado. Now, Boebert has been on the record as saying she'll do anything for President Trump and she wants to carry a gun on the House floor, which, by the way, is not permitted by House rules. Now, during the Capitol insurrection last week, Boebert tweeted out the location of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, who, by the way, is the representative for San Francisco. So Charles Johnson donated the maximum amount, $2,800, and his wife Ann did as well, to Lauren Boebert. Ken Kendrick and his wife Randy also donated $2,800 each. 
Bulbert is one of two newly elected Congress people, the other being Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia, that openly support the conspiracy theory known as QAnon. Bulbert said in May that she hopes QAnon is real because it only means America is getting stronger and better and people are returning to conservative values. She has since tried to distance herself from it, that is per an article from Yahoo Sports' Cassandra Negley. However, Bobert keeps making noise. She is refusing to comply with rules that state she cannot hold a gun on the House floor, and it very much seems, and granted, there is no proof yet, that Bobert was helping a lot of the Trump supporters that were storming the Capitol, tweeting out the location of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Now, we don't have a lot of proof as to what Bobert's role in the Capitol insurrection was nor do we know the roles of any potential Congress people that were involved in aiding and abetting the rioters that stormed the Capitol building on January 6th. That information is going to start to come out. However, there are several congressional representatives that have said that rioters found their way to private offices and private locations that only people that are members of Congress actually know where their location is, which makes you think that part of it was an inside job. All of this is to say that Charles Johnson of the San Francisco Giants needs to answer for his actions. He donated eight more million dollars to Republican candidates than any other pro sports owner donated to any other series of candidates. $10.5 million spent by the Giants principal owner to elect people like Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. When the Cindy Hyde-Smith incident occurred back in 2018, Johnson said to the SF Chronicle, On the whole, I don't like the idea of politics affecting anything I do with the Giants. Charles Johnson is worth $4.9 billion, which is a lot of money, and he can do with his money what he pleases. But I think the principle of not supporting the San Francisco Giants because somebody like him is donating money to candidates that support a baseless conspiracy theory, and want to harm the values of our democracy, I think if you were to not support the Giants based on that, that's a really solid principle. But what Charles Johnson has failed to understand is that his political donations are terrible optics for the San Francisco Giants organization. There is going to be a lot of pushback from people around the Giants, from people in the Bay Area over the next couple of weeks as to how Johnson should respond to this. He has to answer for why he decides to throw money at every single Republican candidate without really understanding who they are or what they support. When you're worth $4.9 billion, donating $2,800 to a single candidate is chump change. It's a drop in the bucket. But from the time that she stepped onto the political stage, we knew who Lauren Boebert was. We knew that she could be somebody that is dangerous to the fabric of democracy. And yet, Charles Johnson and Ken Kendrick decided to donate money to her anyway. Rennell Brooks-Moon, who is the longtime public address voice of the San Francisco Giants and a longtime Bay Area music DJ, tweeted yesterday in response to a column by the San Francisco Chronicle about this story, I'm not turning a blind eye to this, believe me. Somebody tweeted at her, I'm not either, I will seriously have to reconsider my financial support going forward. Rennell says, I understand. I'm calling Larry and Rob Dean, Larry being Larry Bear. There's a group of us that are mobilizing. We initially spoke up in 2018 about him. You see how that went. And I want to read you the column 
by Kerry Crowley, my old Cape League colleague of the Bay Area News Group. And this is what he says in the tweet when he is publishing the article. My column on SF Giants principal owner Charles Johnson, who has once again shown everyone who he really is. When the Giants laid off 10% of full-time employees in October, Johnson was busy donating to candidates like Lauren Boebert and Laura Loomer. In fact, I'm not going to even read the article because apparently my San Jose Mercury News subscription has run out, so I can't actually read the article online. Maybe if I try another browser, I'll be able to. But my point here being, you don't even need to read the article in order to understand how bad the optics are. The Giants laid off 10% of their full-time workforce, and yet their principal owner, who's worth almost $5 billion, can donate $10 million to Republican political candidates. And by the way, I was able to open this up in another browser, so I am going to read it to you right now. Kerry, by the way, is a phenomenal sports writer. Charles B. Johnson, the San Francisco Giants' largest stakeholder, has the right to spend his personal fortune any way he sees fit. It's a shame Johnson reminds everyone so often. In a five-month span leading up to the November 3rd election, Johnson donated the maximum allowable amount to the campaigns of three United States senators and at least 20 members of the House of Representatives who voted to overturn the results of the November presidential election. According to FEC filings, Johnson and his wife Ann each donated $2,800 to Representative Lauren Boebert, a Republican from Colorado, who tweeted the whereabouts of House Majority Leader Nancy Pelosi during the January 6th attack at the U.S. Capitol. Aside from refusing to certify election results and putting the highest-ranking member of the House in danger, Boebert has also expressed support for QAnon, a set of far-right conspiracy theories alleging satanic-worshipping pedophiles are plotting against President Trump. Johnson also supported the campaigns of several candidates who lost elections, including Kelly Loeffler, the former Republican senator from Georgia, who was investigated for insider trading this spring and has posed for photos with a white supremacist. Laura Loomer, a conspiracy theorist and self-described proud Islamophobe from Florida, received $2,800 from Johnson exactly two months before her failed bid for a seat in the House of Representatives. If Johnson had integrity, he'd issue a statement through the Giants organization explaining his errors in judgment in supporting candidates who seek to undermine democracy by ignoring the will of the American people. Johnson would apologize to the hardworking people within the franchise for associating himself and in turn the San Francisco Giants with a racist such as Loomer. He'd express remorse for his decision-making and vow to be more careful in the future. Oh wait, Johnson has already had to do all of this. Why would anybody have reason to believe he's changed? Back in 2018, Johnson donated to U.S. Senate candidate Cindy Hyde-Smith of Mississippi, who pledged she would be in the front row if invited to a public hanging. Johnson also gave money to a political action committee responsible for a racist radio ad in Arkansas. The donations prompted a boycott of the San Francisco Giants that lasted 48 hours from civil rights leaders John Burris and Reverend Amos Brown, the president of the San Francisco chapter of the NAACP. The boycott ended after Johnson requested his money be returned and Johnson issued a statement that announced he would strongly condemn any form of racism. At the time, Johnson's attorney, Joe Kotchett, cited his client's ignorance as the reason behind donations because he sends checks wherever and whenever the Republican National Committee asks him. Johnson said, or rather Kotchett said, Johnson does not have a racist bone in his body. 
a racist bone? Maybe not. A donation to Loomer suggests that he has a racist checkbook. It's shameful a high-profile billionaire who could spend his money in worthwhile ways has chosen to donate to extremist politicians, but Johnson is not alone. There are plenty of other professional sports owners, Leffler included, who make objectionable decisions on a daily basis. What separates Johnson from most of his peers is how incredibly out of touch he appears. Reports in recent months have shown no owner in American professional sports has donated more to campaigns than Johnson, who gave out $4.2 million during this cycle and has donated upward of $10 million since 2015. Now, I didn't know the timing on the earlier figures I gave you. I cited 538. Kerry Crowley is citing another source, I believe, the direct FEC filings. Candidates around the country received a financial boost from Johnson around the same time the Giants announced they were laying off 10% of their full-time employees due to the unprecedented impact and continued uncertainty of the pandemic on our operations. Could the $4.2 million have saved those jobs? Could 50% of that total, say $2.1 million, have saved those jobs? The answer to both of those questions is yes. That Johnson... The Giants' largest stakeholder and a billionaire could see the organization tell several longtime employees that they no longer had a room for them in the midst of a pandemic is galling. That he could do this while blindly sending checks to candidates eager to overturn people's votes without any evidence of election fraud will be the way Johnson is always remembered. The purpose of this column isn't to suggest Johnson should be forced to sell his portion of the team or that fellow Giants owners should be ashamed to be associated with somebody who has consistently failed to look out for the best interests of the franchise. It's not to tell fans to stop buying tickets until Johnson is out or to show the many people inside the organization who have worked diligently to see advancements in social and racial justice made that the principal owner is actively working against your best interests. It's to say that when Johnson could have stepped in and saved jobs, he chose to show everyone who he really is. These donations are his legacy. Great column by Kerry Crowley. I hope that you go check it out. But yeah, basically, Charles Johnson has showed you who he is by who he donates money to. And he donates it blindly. You cannot hide behind ignorance anymore. These donations show who you are and who you support. Your money does the talking. If your money supports a QAnon conspiracy theorist, you support a QAnon conspiracy theorist. It's not to say that you're donating money for the good of the Republicans. You have to separate the individual from the collective. And the whole point about bringing it back to baseball is that Charles Johnson deserves all of the scorn that he's getting. How do Giants fans, and maybe more importantly... Giants employees respond to all of the public backlash that Johnson is receiving right now. It very much came up and went away very quickly back in 2018 surrounding Cindy Hyde-Smith. I don't think it's going away as quickly this time. Thanks for listening to MLB Morning Coffee, a production of the Ocean Avenue Studios. Have a great weekend, and as always, we will talk to you next time.